0: Some of you, when you saw me go to Romans 7 last week and now Romans 3 this week, may wonder if I'm regressing in the book of Romans. I'm not, uh, but I'm just going to come out of this passage today. Romans chapter 3. Also, while you're turning there so you know, uh, if you're single, college, young adult, 20, 30s, etc., we're having—and um, you don't have to be single, you could be young married, I suppose—we're we're having a thing on— Starting next Sunday night at my house, we're starting a service for you. It's going to have, I mean, we'll have music and teaching and then Q&A afterwards. Um, You're welcome to come. There are maps in the back. welcome to bring friends. We thought we'd take on a non-controversial topic to start, so we're doing um, Calvinism versus Arminianism just to start it off with no controversy. Um, If you're curious about that topic or want to know more about it or want to ask questions or want to come in and tell me, why you think my perspective is wrong when you hear it, so wait till you hear it at least, um, then you're free to come and do that. We'd love to have you there for that discussion um, and that teaching time. All right, Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. Romans 3, starting verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we need your divine assistance as we approach your text, as we contemplate your holiness in the cross as we think about and meditate on how you demonstrated both holiness and love in that event, the greatest demonstration of both of those things in that single event. Lord, as we contemplate that, let us not just be a mental game for us. Help us to understand it. But Lord, soften our hearts so that we love it and rejoice in it and repent before it. So that if we need to be reinformed, we are willing to be. Lord, so that your Son is exalted through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, we all know about dilemmas. And in most of our cases, so- sometimes there are times in life when a dilemma might keep you awake at night, right? You might have a dilemma. Something, some kind of suffering happens in your life and you're wondering, Something along the lines of, why did God let this happen to me? Or maybe along the lines of, why does God let bad things happen to good people, right? Generally, don't struggle with the dilemma, why does God let good things happen to bad people, do we? But just the opposite. You might be struggling with that dilemma, or you might be wondering, you might have this dilemma, how is it possible that God could be sovereign, how is it possible he could be sovereign over everything, And yet we're still free. How is that possible? And you sit up late thinking about that dilemma. At least I do. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. But you may join me in that. Or perhaps you wonder why men feel the compulsion to wear tight hip-hugger jeans. Right? That's a dilemma that keeps me up at night. I don't understand it at all. Anyway. But what no one... What no one... What no one loses sleep over. Well, I don't know anybody. Maybe some of you do and come and let me know if you do. But I don't know anyone who loses loses sleep over the idea of how is it possible that God could forgive me and declare me righteous and yet his holiness not be offended. How could he forgive me and declare me righteous and yet not be unjust? How could he show me grace and you not show himself to not care about truth and justice? How can you do that? Very few people stay awake at night thinking about that. Why? Because we don't understand God's holiness. We we sang a song at a concert the other night, and, and I thought it was great, but there was a part where we talked, the guy was talking about how, isn't it great that we all get to He's saying, unbelievers are believers. Regardless of where you're from, isn't it great that you get to enter the presence of a holy God here? And I thought to myself, if you're an unbeliever, it's great only in the fact that it's greatly terrifying. We don't understand the holiness of God, and frankly, we don't like it oftentimes. Now, we like to talk about God's love, though, right? Come to the cross, we love to talk about the love of God. There are scholars that love to talk about the love of God in the cross, hate to talk about the holiness of God in the cross. Some of them are popular in emergent emergent circles, if you've never heard of that. That's kind of the contemporary liberalism in the church. They're, They're popular there, and they say this, you know, the cross is like cosmic child abuse. If you say that God was punishing his son because God's holiness was offended, then you are just saying the cross is cosmic child abuse. I was talking to a guy on Facebook the other day. Um, you know, if you're not on Facebook, you should be, right? <laughs> Everybody tells you that. I was talking to a guy on Facebook the other day, and, and there was a poll that popped up, and it said, uh, you know, do, it basically asked me, do I support gay marriage? And I answered no, and right under it I said, how can I support something that doesn't exist? And the guy responded, um, I, and I, actually I went on and said, it's like asking me if I believe Um, that circles are squares, right? Of of course not. Homosexual people can't marry, even if the law says they can. It's not how God defines marriage. It's not called marriage. It's sodomy, right? It's some sort of adultery, but it isn't marriage. And so I told him I, I don't support it, and he responded. And he said, well, you know... But when homosexual people come together, they love each other. And God is love. And if God is love and they love each other, then shouldn't we encourage love wherever it can be found? Now, there's